Okay, everybody, welcome back. We're uh, back. We're back. We lost some ships. Yeah. Gottman part two. That's you know, right. You're the waiting. surprise part two because we you... foolishly thought we could finish the whole thing in one episode. Right. We know you've been waiting with bated breath for like <laughs> exactly weeks or something. Yeah. In fact, we're, so. we intend to split it into three at this point. So we're going to talk about part two. We're going to talk more about the horse, four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, just as a review, by the way, Viviana's here as well. She hasn't said anything yeah. yet. Hi, I'm here. Because <laughs> I was talking too much, probably. Um, anyway, so just as a review, uh, last time we talked about John Gottman's research, um, you know, and we never, well, we talked a little bit about it, but essentially he had these love labs where these couples would be, like, <laughs> it was, he described it as like a bed and breakfast where they're being... Uh, observed <laughs> essentially yeah which is interesting um yeah, with a bunch of cameras yeah, that's right. and they take their urine samples every now and, and then blood sample so, and, yeah and aside from that normal bed rate. and breakfast yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. anyway um the, and they do that at all the bed and breakfast that i've been to. that's right yeah what's so weird about that um so he talked about or we talked about um how uh, a lot of this seems kind of common sense but but actually doing it especially in the heat of the moment, but just doing, being successful doing these things in a relationship is very difficult. It's, but it's a huge part of why we're here, to learn how to be this way. Um, uh, we talked about how it's not necessarily a war against negativity. The, fa- the fact that um, you know, healthy marriages that last have a 5 to 1 positive to negative ratio of experiences, I guess, or is it specifically uh, I it communication? Mostly, well, I thought it was communication stuff, like what things you say, your statements are five to one positive, it, but is I it think experience it's just in general? Experience in general, but communication yeah. Interactions. Could, be, yeah. could be. It could yeah. be a touch on the arm though, right? Yeah, yeah because you can yeah. definitely have... Touch them on the arm five times. And then you <laughs> That's say, right. I needed to yeah. stop doing Unless this. Unless it's a hard <laughs> fist punch on, or touch on the arm. Yeah. That's the funny yeah. one. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, he talked about how it's not about a war against negativity, but it's about having constant and renewing positivity. Um, yeah, not a war against negativity in the sense that it's okay to have negativity in your in, yes. and work things out. It depends on how you deal with it. Issues to the yeah. forefront, yeah. But yep. but dealing well, with them positively is the challenge. And yeah. it's okay to have conflict because the conflict kind of tells you. Uh, he he calls it. It, he says that there's some sort of like psychological gridlock under every conflict. There's like two. You're fists. getting way ahead, but yeah. <laughs> no, not yeah. So, anyways, we're not talking about that. <laughs> we're today. not talking about go that ahead, today. But he says that there's when there's conflict underneath that conflict of two people fighting with their fists, there is a dream within the palm. Spoiler! And- <laughs> Wait, why are you talking about this? I mean, it's. Okay. It's good. It's okay. Why but it, it's okay because we've been jumping around. But anyways, he talks about how these this conflict actually allows us to see like, hey, there's something, there's a philosophical concept underneath why this person has some sort of conflict underneath. Something that's valid. Yeah, something and, that's and a valid it, point. It, it's a this, part of who, an, an, it's a part of who part that of who person, person is. is. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why it's important. Yeah, when you started saying dream within the palm, I thought I was thinking dream within a dream and the Inception music started playing in my (laughs) mind. Of course. Thank you. Another Christopher Nolan shout out. Two in a row. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Christopher Nolan. You're welcome. Why don't you start advertising here? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, 
yeah but sure but yeah just the point that like there's something there's something very important to that person underneath it and it's yep. not always evident in yep. in the super in the superficial yep. okay. you know and, look at it and, and our inclination our natural man inclination is to vilify them right say that you're you're bad you're greedy you're selfish you're stupid you know when you know, you're the problem that's right when really like there's which is a rejection of the deeper self that they're expressing anyway We'll talk about that another time. This time we're talking about the, the third horsemen. and fourth so, horsemen. And, yeah, and so yes, um, the um, last time we we also talked about the masters and disasters, which essentially what they found about people who were successful uh, in navigating conflict in their marriage and people who were disasters, right? Um, and this was this was quite predictive of people who actually ended up getting uh, divorced within a certain period of time. Um, so just to review, the first one we talked about was um, criticism, where uh, disasters tend to when tend to take the problem and say, "This is your problem. It's you. It's your personality defect. You're the problem here. Not me. For sure, not me. It's you." <laughs> uh, whereas masters kick the problem around like a soccer soccer ball, um, you know, that you can actually discuss and try to do something constructive with, specifically. Uh, a master would communicate. Um, I mean, it's still a complaint, but it's it's in a different way from saying it's the other person's defect. It's instead saying, for instance, you talked about yourself all throughout dinner, and you never asked me anything about my day, and that made me feel this way. And I really need you to ask me more about my day, as an example. So, in other words, in the case of someone's uh, roommate who leaves the mm-hmm. dishes. Uh, we discussed how, you know, someone, okay, we'll just say Paul, would say something like, hey. Oh, Johnson. Wait, what, what was it that you said? I said, yeah, I just, get kinda, I, I, I just made the comment like, I just get kind of bummed out when the dishes are dirty like all day long. And that is true. That was just yeah. how I felt about it. Yeah. It did kind of bum me out. I'd see them, they'd be dirty and be like, man, yeah. dirty dishes all day. I, I think I had a similar conflict with paul also because paul's just the center of conflict it was was about pickleball the other night what was it uh it's like we have this group of friends that play pickleball on tuesdays and and i wanted to go and i wanted to see if paul wanted to go and paul was reluctant because he wants to wear a mask which is not unreasonable during this time yeah Um, mostly because in this group there are a lot of people yeah it's kind of packed pretty close yeah but Um, i felt some concern about it yeah and and he didn't want to be the guy he felt un- he feels uncomfortable. Well, I'm putting words yeah. in your mouth. Well, yeah, I didn't want to be the only guy wearing the mask. It's a lot harder for me to wear a mask if nobody's wearing a mask. Like, because I'm it makes you feel. Uh, I don't remember what I said. I don't know. You tell me. Well, just tell me what, how it makes you feel. Like, <laughs> like the outsider. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, like yeah. the, the, the and, one different guy. Yeah, and so know. my natural man inclination would have been like, "Come on, Paul, you're being a wet blanket." <laughs> yeah. I'm leaving. Instead, Bryce wore a mask. That's that, right. That I said great. I would yeah. rather Paul. I would rather you come. Then not come, and I'm willing, and it's more important to me that you come than that I have to wear a mask. So I did, and then it's fine. And then I stopped wearing it when we saw other people wearing it. <laughs> I mean, I wore it half of the time. You wore it most of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then Bryce also said Bryce gave a good example about the goat heads. Bryce kept finding goat heads in the uh, in the floor. Or I, or I said Bryce, what you need to say is Paul. 
when I step on this goat head, it hurts my feet. Yeah. Instead of saying, you need to stop leaving goat heads yeah. around. It's your defect. <laughs> like, yeah. well, I anyway. can't argue with your feet. Yeah. Okay, so that's criticism. There's a master and disaster approach to criticism. Then we we talked a little bit about defensiveness. Um, yeah. Uh, but we can get into it some more. So that for the disasters... And and like Paul mentioned last time, uh, criticism tends to lead directly into defensiveness, which is where the person who's feeling criticized um, responds, right? And for disasters, the response is usually one of two ways. Uh, either it's righteous indignation, where they meet the complaint with a counter complaint. Like Paul could say, go to heads! Paul, Bryce, what about you not washing the dishes, you jerk? Even though... It's not me that doesn't wash the dishes. But <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. Um, um, so that that's one uh, disaster approach to defensiveness. Or, uh, and then the other one is to act like an innocent victim. Like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Like, what? Yeah. The, the... Why, why would you leave the goat heads? Yeah. Why? Like, you, you actually have a problem with goat heads? What? They don't hurt my feet. Yeah, what? Um, oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, you got it. The the righteous indignation thing makes me think of the legal world because every time you file a lawsuit against someone, it's called a complaint, and Uh the every time the very next thing is a counter complaint Uh to say, "Oh, you think we're infringing your patents? Yeah, we've got a bunch of patents too, and you're infringing ours." Uh And uh, I mean, it's a it's financially smart to have counter complaints in the legal world, but yeah, in relationships. It's a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> in relationships, it, this is the masters, right? The masters accept responsibility for the things that you do. Yeah. They you know, say, and you know what? By the way, Paul graciously accepted responsibility for leaving the goat head. That was very gracious. That's true. So he's a master you goat are head. Master Paul. You're a master goat head, non defensive person. Good job. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we talked about, oh, we did talk about this last episode about how I turned my shoes over the one day and I found 12 goat heads on. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, I think actually I'm the one bringing goat heads in the house. Yeah. Sure. But um, it's hard to accept responsibility, right? When somebody, for like sure. we talked last time about, about you know, masters will bring things up in a, a you call it soft a gen- startup, soft startup, yeah. Uh, it's huge, you know, because like definitely my I I. Oh, so on the Myers Briggs, I'm an NF for my middle two letters, and that's one of the characteristics they'll say about NFs is that it's you have a tendency to get defensive faster, uh, because you take everything personally. You know, it's yeah. like. Everything is a personal attack, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody says something about the goat heads, like, what are you saying? I'm, you know, careless or whatever, yeah. you know? It's like you yeah. instantly take, it's like it offends your character kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, this is something, I mean, all of these I've been guilty of, obviously, all of us have, right? Um, to give myself some credit, though, I have worked at being better, about not being defensive and just trying to be a little objective. And, and for sure, like accepting my responsibility for things. Um, and that's, that's huge to accept responsibility. I mean, that really is, um, you know, it's not a podcast if I don't rant a little bit about agency and accountability, but that's literally like the reason we're here is to exercise agency and learn how to make choices and to be accountable for our choices. And, um, you know, there's the, what is the saying? Um, the, the, the biggest uh, shortcoming is to be aware of none, you know? Yeah. Um, 
you know, if we really want to be successful, we need to, and, and to be humble and to be able to actually learn and improve and to have success, we need to be able to recognize our role in problematic situations, um, whatever so, that role may be. And it might be a small role, it might be a big role. Yeah. Turn accepting responsibility is more than just, uh, I accept responsibility. Yes, cool. cool. I'm are, just saying it. Are, yeah. you, are you willing to change? I told you I accept responsibility. Yes. So. Yeah. Great. Are you willing to change? No, but I accept responsibility. Yeah, well, that's the that's the whole argument with congruence. You're saying one thing, but you're uh, yeah. doing another. Yeah, you okay. know? Yeah. Um, I would say that for me, I tend to act like I'm an innocent victim sometimes, mm-hmm. and I know that that's not... Uh, you know, because sometimes I, I know that I'm part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> but once we acknowledge that we are part of the problem, we're also part, we, hey man, we're also part of the solution. And so yeah. I believe that wholeheartedly, that once we humble ourselves and just say, you know what, I, I'm not perfect, and I could have hurt your feelings, and I probably did. You know, you're saying that, that I hurt your feelings. I probably did hurt your feelings. Uh, I need to be really careful with the things that I do or say or whatever, you, you know. Do. You need to be more yeah. careful. I need to be more about careful. About my feelings. Okay. I'm, I'm not I'm saying that you I'm should joking. try to control. I'm joking. You can't control 100% of how a person feels, right? Um, because obviously there's agency, like you mm-hmm. said. Um, but I do believe, you know, I was listening to Bednar, uh, Elder Bednar talk about, uh, you know, uh, taking offense and he says that you know taking offense is actually something someone does like you can say something offensive but someone actually has to take offense yeah but we can also recognize that hey you know what maybe we did something in this in a circumstance that really made this person feel uncomfortable for whatever reason um maybe i was late and that wow i i'm now realizing that this person really, really likes punctuality. And so (laughs) I need to make a better effort to be more punctual. You know, I think that's a great approach. It's very hard to be humble in order to, you know, in order to not be defensive, but it's definitely possible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a challenge. I think it's a human, it's a natural man, human tendency, you know, to like um, not want to feel like you need to change anything, you know, and so, yeah yeah i mean the other person needs to do all the changing <laughs> we we want all the blessings for free <laughs> yeah. right. but you know what it's a funny thing that they're talking about and so the first horseman of the apocalypse of a relationship is the criticism and it's a funny thing because now i realize like how okay. um somewhere. just <laughs> just ways in which i i've like tried to vilify people because they're not like hey they're you know they're not perfect, but it's very easy to vilify. But the reality is like, hey, that gets you nowhere. That doesn't actually help you build a strong relationship. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I liked how in the video, he kind of, uh, John Gottman kind of jokes about how, um, you know, a disaster response might be perceived by the other person, which is negatively, right? If, if you bring up some issue with someone and they act super defensively, that's going to make you not enjoy being in a relationship with them. Um, you know, or, or especially if someone criticizes you in, in a disaster way, it's going to make you not like this relationship. Um, I think this is especially applicable, like, 
in the early, like in the dating stage where you're not fully committed to them yet and where, where they could bail at any second. <laughs> and, you know, to some extent you can't do anything about people's skittishness, but, but at the same time, like, yeah, you should be aware, like, uh, you know, there, there's an incentive for you to be a master rather than a disaster. Yeah, yeah it, sure. It's important that a person actually want to be in a relationship with you. Sure. Well, uh, well, yeah, we had this roommate. I mean, we're not naming any names on no, this podcast. No, definitely not. Um, but and, that, and to be fair, there was probably some mental health issues going on, maybe. But we suspect it was. But <laughs> like ninety nine percent sure. Yeah, but it was kind of like you you couldn't bring anything up because and and this person was definitely doing things that was negatively affecting like all the roommates. But if we ever brought it up, there was extreme defensiveness and hostility, and so you and know, I kept like an innocent victim. He's like, I'm just. Helping. I'm making things yeah, better. Right. What's wrong with you? Yeah. And I kept, uh, I, so, I, so in the end, I kept, I kept telling Bryce, like, well, yeah, this bad thing's happening. Well, too bad we can't say anything about it. You know, because you couldn't. Like, yeah. You couldn't say anything about it. Anyways, in the end, it all it was, it, it, worked it, out. It, it worked out because the landlord kicked the guy out, uh, which, you know, that wasn't our first, uh, uh, well, we, that wasn't initially what we wanted. We wanted to yeah. try to work something out, but it just didn't work out in the end. But yep. yeah, it's hard. But yeah, it's like yeah, sure. If you feel like you're walking around eggshells on a person, around a person where you can't say anything, yeah. that's not really yeah. a relationship. It's not a healthy relationship, yeah. you know. Yeah. Anyways, we got to talk about some other horsemen. Okay, third horseman, disrespect and contempt. This one's a big one. They well, found. Oh yeah. Yeah, he said it's the single best predictor of divorce. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, he said uh, it, it usually entails a feeling of superiority towards the other person and, and talking down to them, uh, you know, which to me sounded like uh, President Benson's talk on, on pride and pride. his definition of pride, that it's, yeah. it's uh, enmity. It's, um, you know. Insulting your partner. Yeah, it's antagonism towards other people. It, it's, um, you know, if, if, if I win, you lose. If you win, I lose. Um, You're and, speaking from well, a higher plane that, yeah, like, I'm more sure. clean, more important, more yeah. punctual, more, you know, just smarter than you, you yeah. know. That type of attitude destroys people. Yeah, and it's so common this, on social media. So common. Yeah. Um, well, the thing I think is interesting though, about social this, media just gives people a microphone to express what's happening on a small level. Sorry, I interrupted you. A megaphone. I'm saying it happens. Off of social media as well. Go ahead. It does. I know. Sometimes social media is weird. Um, uh, but the thing that I think is interesting is that he... So he says contempt is the single best predictor of divorce, but but he says... He he talks about it as from just the feeling perspective, too. Like, it is true. You talk down to your partner, but he says contempt is feeling superior. Yeah. Um, and then he says speaking from a higher plan as well, but, like, initially you feel... More clean, more important, more punctual, smarter. I'm better at this. This person's horrible at this. I'm better at the dishes. That person doesn't do the dishes. <laughs> you know? Well, think uh, about what it does to your relationship. It's like you're pit- you're pitting yourself against your partner or you're pitting them against yeah. you. You know, like you're no wonder this is the most predictive. Like yeah. why would you you're remain enemy. married to someone who yeah. thinks so little of you? You're unless you're just so enemies. unhealthy that you're just you're trapped and you know, no way you feel no way yeah. out. Contempt, yes. Yeah. Um, 
the time. Yeah, it comes out. Yeah, and why would you want to be around? Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't want to be around someone who treats you that way. Um, I I actually have a family member. I'm not going to say who. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, I'll just say it's a very, it is actually a very, very distant family member. It may or may not be in this country. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Sounds like that's not in this country. <laughs> um, cool. But uh, this family member, the male had, I I wouldn't say that he had like con- full-blown contempt, but he had a little bit of that like macho, mm, machismo. machismo. Oh, yeah, there you go. Sounds like Latin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, it was the craziest thing because uh, this, you know, male relative of mine, his, uh, he, he actually passed away and his wife, uh, who stuck with him, all of a sudden, I, I was talking to another relative and they're like, oh, have you seen the wife since... This, you know, the, you, since the husband passed away, she looks 10 years younger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know, like, it's sad. It's a very sad thing when that sort of thing happens. But the antidote to contempt is to build a uh, relationship where there is, and this is what the masters do. The masters, instead of having contempt in their relationship, they actually build a culture of uh of appreciation they respect they're proud of the people that they love and i i really like that because i mean you know you should be the the most loyal to your spouse right unless they're a criminal in which case you should not be you know but but for the most part you should you know yeah well if they're good caveat there (laughs) don't be kind to your criminal spouse (laughs) <laughs> not appropriate <laughs> but if they're reforming you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah yeah i like this whole concept of inst- i mean you know president monson used to say this catch people doing something good yeah um you know i don't actually um and i like this idea of you know scanning the environment for things you can praise and appreciate instead of yeah you know instead of scanning for yeah, instead yeah, of yeah. having a habit of mind where you look for things <clears throat> to to criticize. But, you know, Viviana talked about this in the last episode, too. Like, um, it is true that, like, sometimes our minds tend to notice the negative a lot easier. Uh, yeah. And, you know, perhaps in some settings that's useful uh, for survival in, in the past. You know, like, if you see something that's wrong, it needs to be fixed or else maybe you won't yeah. survive. You know, I mean, yeah. maybe the, I mean, from a biological but, but this, evolutionary perspective. But, you know, this is this culture of appreciation is about the everyday small things, yeah. right? It's not about survival instinct when some, some unforeseen big threat comes about. It's about the day-to-day kindnesses. Um, you know, it's saying thank you for, for what your partners do. Um, and he, he jokes like, you know, why should I thank you? Say thank you for them, you know, doing this or that. Like that's Taking what they always the do. Yeah, and it's like, well, you know, think about it. Would you rather be thanked for? Would you like to be thanked for something you did? Typically, yes, right? Like, how could that not make things better? You know, it could only make things better. Yeah. Um, right, and then you can say you're welcome. Yeah. And, yeah. And then you can get around to the other. Like and. Speaking of which, you didn't get the dishes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think it's kind of like, you know, the culture of appreciation is very much like an environment, right? You don't want to go to a dry, arid, hot, you know, Sahara desert 
where you feel like it's 110 degrees that you're not even able to, you know, breathe, you know, comfortably, right? You want to go to the nice, lush, tropical island, right? And so it's like, in a very real way, the way that you respond to your your spouse, the way that you compliment, you know, the small things that they're doing, you are creating, and in a real way, you're both co-creating a, a reality that is completely different, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that is what, you know we are creators like we we believe that that we have the p- capacity to we have agency we have the capacity to use that yeah. and so if you have that capacity to create a completely different environment why not try yeah. i mean of course it's not going to be i'm not saying you're going to have that environment with every person but you could have a good relationship with every person to a certain degree yeah. you know That's, which is a um one of those uncomfortable realities, right? Yeah. It, at least for people in the dating phase, because dating phase is very much it's about shopping. Yeah. Um, and it's it's easy to get caught up in the idea that, like, a good relationship is just going to be there or not. Um, yeah. And the reality is, like, no, you, you're a co-creator in this process, too. Now, that doesn't mean you got to... If you, if you just fundamentally don't like someone, you know, that, that's okay. But at the same time, we can all be more likable and we, and we can all make it easier. Um, we, we can be more likable and and also like the other person more. You know, I think of Elisa uh, Goodwin-Snell, um, LDS dating coach. I don't know. I think she still does it. Um, you know, in one of her presentations, she talks about how, you know, when you're on a date or when you're just like flirting with someone that you've just met or just in a social situation, you want to make them feel great. Um, that is, it's so f- obvious, but people fail at that so much. I mean, coming from a man's perspective, I only know, I only notice this with women. I'm sure it happens with men as well. They, they just fail to like make the other piece person feel good and appreciated and like give them some incentive to want to even spend more time with you. Um, yeah. And it's so baffling because it's like so obvious. Uh, anyway, my voice got yeah. raised because no, uh, I was a little... <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of these disappointing like commonalities. It's like, come on, people. <laughs> but, but you know, what you're saying is true. I mean, so much of this Gottman research, like we're like, oh yeah, that does make sense. Like he's spent who knows how many yeah. decades, three decades, right? Coming to these like realizations and we're like, yeah, that makes sense. But we understand these things. We understand like, oh, it makes sense to create a culture of, you know, appreciation. But just because we understand it doesn't actually mean that we do it. Yeah. You know, so what are some ways that you guys, I don't know, try to do that in maybe your dates or maybe with your yeah. family? Yeah. You know? Well, one of the things that, another thing that Lisa Snell says is that um, in one of her books, she says, like, in the first 15 minutes of a date, you should try to give a sincere compliment. And mm. and that's something that I've, I've tried to do. I'm not always good at it because, you know, sometimes I'm like, I don't really know this person. And that is the challenge, right? Like, you know, you, you want to be sincere. You want to make them feel great without like, 
being a liar, right. <laughs> you know? so and especially because you don't know what what they're gonna like, you know. Um, but that so, that but being if, said, there's a difference between trying and not trying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. If, if I like something that they're wearing, I'll I'll yeah. point that out. You know, yeah. like I notice earrings and fingernail polish a lot. Yeah, and so I'll and, point those out. But but even even like, if a person gives an awkward compliment or or tries to make the other person person feel great in a way that's kind of inept and awkward, like if you're gracious. And you're doing your part. You're gonna, you're gonna accept it, you know, gracefully. You know. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. That know. makes sense. But with family, like Viviana asked, you know, like I, I feel like this is something that I'm, I'm, it, I need to practice. You know, like I, I don't think it's in, I don't think it's in my nature to, to just naturally remember. Like I should just be thinking way of ways I can, you know. Appreciate and appreciate people. and tell yeah. people I do, I, I like, and I'm definitely like, and he Gaman gave the example of of some husband that um, he was something like he had a really positive experience the first time he met his wife on oh, the first yeah. date or something yeah. and like he was just really blown away by her yeah it was like twenty years later she seventeen years later she had never communicated he never said that to her because yeah. Gavin asked the, the wife right but hey uh-huh. did, did you know about that and she's like I never knew yeah and so it was like the guy had it in his fail. mind mega fail and so his point was like what it even though they still got married so good you can't keep it in your head you yeah. know you got to get it out of your head you got to communicate it yeah so if you are thinking things that they're like good things yeah point them out you know yeah yeah um yeah yeah I can be better about that for sure. I think we all can. I think yeah. we all can. You know, communication is different. It's funny because you know some families, like in my family, we didn't communicate about feelings hardly at all. You know, so my siblings are almost all boys. I only have one sister, and all the rest are boys. Yeah. We fight a lot about stupid stuff. It's funny because like earlier when you were talking about like, um, you know, asking somebody forgiveness and acknowledging when you've done something wrong. Like in my family, the, the way that would happen is that my brother like. I always remember my brother, my older brother doing this and we'd get in a fight and then his way of like trying to fix things would be to come in and he'd just like give me his hand and he'd be like, it's cool. <laughs> that's all he would say. And I, but I would, I would respond to that too. I'd be like, yeah, it's cool. All right. Um, <laughs> and some of my, some of my siblings, I noticed that like they don't need closure as much yeah. After an argument, and so they often won't apologize or won't occur to them. For me, I always feel a tinge of guilt until I've like had some closure where I'm like, "Hey, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I was wrong," you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a sister-in-law that does this really well. She is always uh, pointing out the good things that people are doing, like great. good. You know, she great tells habit. her spouse, like, "Thanks so much for providing for the family. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks." And I think that's a great thing, like. When you receive that, when you're on the receiving end of that, you're you're just like, oh, this person likes me, you know, and yeah. and it just feels nice, you know. Uh, it definitely makes a difference. It's a little thing that that it's you know by small and simple things are great uh-huh. things about to pass, you know. Yeah, very good. Yeah, you know the love languages stuff. Like, oh, I, yeah, I always thought that, that words of affirmation was like pretty low on my list, but I dated a girl who was really good at words mm-hmm. of affirmation. And, and man, it felt good, you know? Yeah. So I bumped it up in my list. I was like, <laughs> yeah. words of affirmation is four then, not five. Like <laughs> yeah, there the you la- go. The last one yeah. for me, well, no, I think words of affirmation is the third one actually now. I decided after I'd experienced it, you know, yeah. just above acts of service and gifts. And, you know, he also, he didn't specifically relate this 
uh, horseman to, to dating, but he did relate it to the parent-child uh, relationship. Um, you know, same idea. You know, give positive reinforcement for things. Um, and I gotta say, like, uh, my parents, especially my mom, uh, were really good about that for me. Um, uh, which has helped me a lot. I mean, there's there's a saying that, like, parents, parents' decisions affect which, which issues their their kids will need therapy for <laughs> right so That's it's like funny. your your kids are going to have issues you, you decide which issues or you affect which issues because uh, you know i definitely have issues from my upbringing uh, even though it was a wonderful upbringing but yeah don't we all man you know our family yeah, of origin exactly it's yeah. like it's exactly kind of yeah which you know will make a great podcast episode too because as well because Especially when you get to be older in our age, which is or, or what they call the childhood wounds. Yeah, kid wounds. Yeah, yeah. Like it it explains so much. It does uh, of of our dysfunctions uh, that we're probably usually by default we're not aware of of how it's affecting us. Yeah, um, anyway, yeah there's some we, Iron and Wine song where he talks about how in what song Iron and Wine? Do you okay. know Iron and Wine? Yeah, I think it's an Iron and Wine song. It says something. It makes some comment about like. There's a hurt child inside each one yeah, of us, you know. That's right. Anyways, for the fourth uh, horseman of the apocalypse, you should know that the the mascot of the fourth uh, horseman or the the actual uh, embodiment is Stonewall Jackson. Does that help you know what <laughs> what this one's about? <laughs> he had a very bad marriage. Uh, I know. Did he? I don't I know. I have that. no idea. Supposedly he would yeah. go. Supposedly he would. Uh, I think it was Stonewall Jackson that when he would go into battle. He would suck lemons and he would have one arm raised to keep the blood balanced or something. It was like he had all this weird... Weird! But he was a good general. Yeah, so I guess that was the secret of his success. (laughs) Anyway, we're talking about stonewalling. The fourth fourth, uh, horseman. I can think of specific uh, scenarios where I've been guilty of this, for sure. It's essentially, it's emotional withdrawal from the conflict. Um, It's more, as I understand, it's more likely to happen with men than women. Um, yeah, you but, get, you're more likely to get emotionally overwhelmed as a man. That's true. Well, I think our threshold, extent, right? our physiological threshold for stress and negativity is lower on average. It's also called flooding. Flooding. Yeah, that's the technical, <laughs> so, yeah. psychological yeah. jargon. Um, so anyway, stonewalling looks like um, <laughs> folding your arms. Turning away from the conversation. Looking and, down. Yeah, yeah looking, looking down, down. Not making eye contact. No uh, facial movement. That's right. <laughs> he said, maybe you'll occasionally look at the other person just to see if the ogre has magically disappeared. Which was a good joke, but no one in the video laughed, unfortunately. He, yeah, that man. happened a few times. He said Tough something crowd. funny and no one laughed. And I'm like... John, I would not have let you down if I had been there. I would have laughed. You know, Tough stonewalling crowd. could also look like walking on eggshells. When yeah. you go into a room and you're just like, what well, you know, you're like, I'm trying to avoid the person because I okay. don't want to talk about the problem to yes. because the problem is too deep and That's it's too true. hurtful. And yeah, it, it's just a really interesting idea how stonewalling could actually destroy a marriage. Yeah. And well, especially since um, the person being stonewalled tends to like escalate their communication right it's like oh i'm not being heard i better be extra loud which of course doesn't solve the problem or extra forceful yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um, sure and the opposite of this is to listen <laughs> you know and yeah to be engaged and or if like i think for a guy 
if you're getting flooded i mean same goes for women but like if you're getting flooded and overwhelmed and it's just you just can't handle it right now and Gottman kind of points this out like if you need to take a break from the argument because you can't handle it right then then you you can just bring that up and it, and it's important to respect that if a person like can't deal with it right now instead of trying to like force it like nope we got to talk about it right now because <laughs> um, that's ineffective absolutely yeah he um part of the solution yeah excuse me part of the solution is also to build on each other's bids viviana what does he mean by that <laughs> okay yeah. well okay so a bid is basically you're trying to get someone to respond to you and most bids are for attention. So if a person says something like, hey, look at that boat, you know, a person could give all sorts of responses, right? So they could be like enthusiastic and be like, wow, why don't we just, you know, get a boat like that and retire and yeah. we can sail away. Uh, another turning oh, turning what, towards bid could be just, like, uh, oh, uh, hey. Sorry, FYI, we got to oh, yeah. wrap up. Oh, we got to wrap up. But, but yeah. this is a, but it's, and we're going to talk about this more next the time. The styles but, of yeah. responding to a partner, right? Yeah, to a partner's you could turn attempt away, for attention. Attempt for attention. And, attention and connection. And connection, yeah. absolutely. And, and I'll say, well, I have a lot of opinions about this in the dating context, but again, this is something people <laughs> fail at all the time. <laughs> so I gave everyone some worksheets to do on bids, and we're going to do those, and then we're going to come back when we reconvene next week. Oh, I don't know if we're going to do that next time, but we'll we'll probably do it sometime. Sometime, yeah. yeah. And we'll talk about what we think about our bidding styles. Yeah. Uh, next time, we'll also talk about... Um, Moving on from the four horsemen, we'll talk about uh, the friendship aspect, which is essentially how to have healthy relationships. Um, and, you know, what, one thing he points out, as, and we should too, as a researcher, right, when we talk about these concepts, of course we have different, like, principles or vague things in our mind, but as a researcher, they actually need to, like, operationalize these in, into, like, specific, measurable... Um, uh, components, phenomena, yeah, components, oh. and so, so we'll talk about what he means specifically by friendship uh, next time. Yeah. yeah. As a random aside, um, Samuel Jackson was apparently one of the people that appeared in the temple to uh, what's his name? I can't remember who it was that prophet uh, that saw them all. Yeah, which one? Uh, was it Lorenzo Snow or Wilford Woodruff? But anyways, uh, there were a bunch of random people that appeared. One of them was Stonewall Jackson. The other one was whoever was the queen during the French Revolution that got killed. Aww. Uh, I can't remember. Um, but anyway, so hey, Stonewall Jackson, he came around in yeah. the end, apparently. Good guy. So he wasn't such a Stonewaller. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not an emotional Stonewaller. <laughs> well, maybe only he was. In, only but, in battle. But it, it, you know, he, he had desires to repent. Exactly, um, yeah. Sure. Okay, anyway. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Okay, we'll talk to you next time. Take everybody. care. And remember, Bye. remember, you can get information, but you got to do something with it, or nothing yeah. will change. <laughs> Does that sound ominous? <laughs> dun, dun, Your life dun. will be better if you can apply these things. Okay, I'm done talking. Okay, see you next time. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app and give us a rating. Thank you.